This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We're in a new series, The Lawful Works of Grace. And I thank God how we started out. The Holy Ghost trying to help us to know we got to enjoy this journey. It's, it's work, but it's a gracious work. That means the Holy Ghost has the enabling power to keep us from falling and to direct our steps. Our steps should be ordered by the Lord, and the order comes from the revelation of the Holy Word of God. We ought to judge every spirit by the Word of God. And how does, how does the Word of God become alive and illuminated in us? By the revelation of the Spirit of God. And that's how grace works. Yes, so it's the lawful works of grace. And then we went on to Mother's Day. And we thank God for the birth and care of a holy people. Amen. And uh, that opened the door as we were speaking to the women more so. Spoke to the whole church because if you speak to one, there's a fellowship and a tie of everyone. Mm -hmm. So fathers got to get in line if women are to be dealt with correctly. Amen. Children got to get in line. Society has to get in line. And who did I miss? Oh, the church, yes, needs to be in line. And unfortunately, a lot of churches have this stained glass ceiling keeping the women under, my God, erroneously. Now, didn't men and women fall in the garden? So how did men get this idea that we could use first and now make women go under? My God, weren't men created first? Mm. But I'm a little ahead of myself. Here we are, the rest of May, God help us, will be dedicated to the women. Thank God. I'm going to now take you to where the Holy Ghost would have us to go, in Galatians. 3, verses 26 through 29. I'm in the NIV, and I'll read to your hearing. Uh, where it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. We're supposed to clothe ourselves with Christ. But there are so many not doing that. They're clothing themselves with their own uh, philosophies and dogmas, doing what's right in their own eyes. But that's not from the wardrobe of Jesus. Verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. I'm going to read that part once again. Nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Does that include women who are saved? Yes. Amen. 
This message focuses on how God uses his daughters in ministry. And there's a lot in it, so I will have to do it in parts as the Holy Ghost shows me. He said at least three parts, but that's good. Because if I go through the whole thing, we might be here till sundown. Uh, your laugh goes right there, because I'm laughing right along with you. As they say in bad English, I ain't doing that. See, God does not want the women, his daughters in ministry, to be abused. He does not want them disparaged by sexism. So much of this is going on around the world. Pentecost is always hindered by this false teaching. But God is able. He brings freedom to worship. We have to obey him and allow this to happen. I prayerfully began compiling these notes, the notes of this study back in July of 2018. This study renders five reasons why women should teach and preach and minister. So let's talk about that. Five reasons why women should teach, preach, and minister. Now I agree with the woman of God, an ordained minister herself, by the name of Minister Rebecca Laird, who was inspired to prophetically teach from the very premise that I am sharing with you now. And she says, quote, uh, no wise person begins building a strong house by trying to hang windows before the foundation and framing are completed. I thank God for the entry of one great young woman of God that I love dearly, close to my heart. She looks like we got the same dimple as me, but she wears it cuter than I do. Thank God for my season. Hallelujah. Have been to the room by way of Philly. Hallelujah. Ah, there's something not silly in Philly. Her name is Sienna. Hallelujah. I thank God for that. But I thank God this message is going to show us. And my daughter, amen, wasn't raised to be no punk in this teaching. So. Somebody, God got to mold and make, they got to step correctly. Because she ain't having it. And I'll be so proud to see that. I will back her up to kingdom come. See, no wise person begins building a strong house by trying to hang windows before the foundation and framing are completed, end quote, says Minister Lair, a woman of God. Yet that is often the approach taken when forming a so-called biblical view of women in ministry. Many people quickly parrot the phrase, quote, women should be kept silent in the churches, end quote, and they're misquoting 1 Corinthians 14.33. And others like the idea and declare that God never intended for women to preach, teach, or lead in the church. But these New Testament verses should be seen as windows that give us glimpses 
into what was happening inside the walls of the early church. They reveal the struggles these churches faced in living and worshiping together. There was something going on in their society at that time that was also brought into the house of God, and it had to be dealt with by this true man of God, the apostle himself. Uh, Paul spoke to the church at Corinth about certain things that were going on. These verses serve most of all to remind us that our struggles to live harmoniously as sisters and brothers in Christ is nothing new. Yet the verses that, that, that seem upon first glance to disallow women the right to ministry fail to deal with four foundational truths upon which the Christian faith is built. I guess Paul had something else to talk about at that time, but other scriptures he wrote will confirm it, and other scriptures in the Bible, from Genesis to uh, Revelation, will reveal the truth of, the, of these matters I am presenting to you in these proceedings of teaching. So let's look at these five reasons. Number one, equality in creation. You know, there was equality in creation. Thank God. So let us begin at the beginning. So the first two chapters of Genesis uh, recount two descriptions of how God created the world and mankind. The first account indisputably says that after God created the heavens and the earth, light and dark, plants and animals, uh, he created both man and woman in the divine image. Let us make man in our own image, right? Uh, both women and men are made to be like God in that sense. There is no hierarchy in this creation story. So in the first story in Genesis, man and woman are created much like twins are born. Together, male and female share the honor of being God's children. And to these offspring, God gives the responsibility for caring for every other living thing in creation. This story ends with the reminder that God declares that both man and woman are very good, because everything God made was what? Good, amen? Mm -hmm. But somehow, after the fall, men retain their crown, but women are bad. Mm -hmm. They can't preach, they can only reach, mm -hmm. as some subcultural ecclesiastical circles put it. God does not declare that one is better or more suited to lead. That idea is our own and not God's. It's our own. We're doing things what seem to be right in our own eyes. God had nothing to, nothing to do with that. So, but let's look at also the second chapter of Genesis. For it tells the story of creation in a different sequence. God made the earth, then made man from the earth, and breathed life into him. Then God made the plants and the animals. Then God decided that man needed a, quote, helper 
and created the first woman. God created, uh, showed us the first sign that there would be surgeries. <laughs> he knocked the man out, anesthesia, deep sleep, took one of his ribs. But I guess the, the rib grew back because, you know, we have all the ribs that there's, you know, a balance. There's not, you know, a certain number of ribs on this side and less on the other side. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so God took from the man, that's what he was trying to do, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, as Adam put it, you know. So God, amen, it, as we see the order, the helper came, right? Now, over the centuries, many have tried to use this story as evidence that women are subordinate to men because women uh, were created from and chronologically after man. If we logically follow that argument, then men must be subordinate to dirt because they were formed from it. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> so this story was never intended to set up a universal model that substantiates the absolute leadership of men. And some notable theologians uh, speak from that premise. Uh, they have so many great teachings, but when they get to this part, I have to beg to differ. My God, and I can name some great names. My God, but I don't have time to do all that. I don't want to throw them under the bus, really. Now, focusing on the fact that man preceded the woman in creation by a short time causes one to enter into a heated quarrel about the birth of twins, if you will, because in like manner, if one was born four minutes before the other, he will always get to go first, make every decision and take the lead in everything for all time. No family can exist under that kind of tyranny. We were never meant to be uh, treated like that, amen. Being firstborn was important as a Jewish a means of determining the right of inheritance. But that is not the gospel way of determining inheritance. All who are born through Christ are what? Joint heirs, equal inheritors of God's love and God's mission. Now another so-called proof that women cannot provide leadership in the church it's taken from the designation that women were made to be man's helpers. Some think that this means that women's role is to enable men to fulfill his work in the world and his ministry in the church. Somehow this idea has been wrongly interpreted to mean that women are to be fulfilled by enabling men to succeed by, uh, by doing all of the private, domestic, and clerical work for men. Uh, cooking and ironing, cleaning and ironing their drawers and stuff. But the word helper that is used here could be better understood if translated as counterpart or partner. Indeed, this very word is used when referring to God as the helper of Israel. We can't put Israel above God, can we? It was God who made them, not them themselves. Uh, but God was showing that he is help letting them, allowing them by his grace to be a counterpart, a partner. Uh, in other words, in covenant. Thank God. 
Uh, Israel needed God's strength, guidance, and leadership skills together, side by side. See, um, women came from the side, not from under the man's foot. My God. Not to be some almighty, tyrannical queen. She didn't come above his head. My God. Side by side, in harmony. Amen. Piano, keyboard, oh Lord. Side by side. Come on. <laughs> In life and in ministry, men and women are one flesh, the whole of humanity. Thank God. And finally, uh, what the creation accounts uh, teach is that women and men were created equally good with shared responsibilities and the task of helping one another care for every living thing, which proves to me that not only do women nurture, but men should be nurturers too. Mm -hmm. Men can't nurture like a woman because we don't have the piping for mammary glands and we don't nurse the kids. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Mm -hmm. But we have to, to yet nurture them from the paternal male perspective. They should gain trust. It's much like when men are playfully throwing their babies into the air and catching them and they're giggling about it. My God. They're developing a trust, if you will. You can see the women cringing and saying, stop that. You know. <laughs> now, if this is the teaching of creation, how people are doing today, then women share with men the divine nature, if they, if they teach it right. And also for the responsibility in the church. People like to say, what happened in Genesis now, the fall, and women are going to be subservient always. And then they bring that into the new creation and ye shall be a new creation. What's old is passed away. Behold, all, all things became what? New. New creation. It is a new creature, new creation. Thank God. Because when you are transformed by the, by, the, by the renewing of your mind, regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost, you are, amen, brought back to life. And now you're not going to be as you were. You're, there's going to be a new you, a new self. And the new self has to put the old sinful self on an eternal lockdown, eternal timeout. You can even duct tape his mouth and tie him up, and that wouldn't be abuse. Nobody can call 911 on that. Because God said, in the fruit of the Spirit, against such what there is, no law. When you have temperance, that means tape the mouth of the flesh. You need self-control, don't you? Control yourself, right? We need to, amen, learn how to do that. God, and God said to mortify the deeds of the flesh, time up, amen? Mm -hmm. Thank God, thank God. Mm -hmm. So we gotta learn how to look at the divine nature and, and, and see that both men and women have it, and God gave responsibility to both, and both have to care for the church. You know, women are men's counterparts and peers in ministry. You are my colleagues, my dear sisters, amen? My God, God could have very well called Lisa to be senior pastor, amen, and I'd be associate. It just so happens that he did like this the way he did. But I would have humbly submitted and did whatever God, because God knows, God, I know God speaks to that woman, amen? amen. And, and I couldn't have a better partnership, my God, she was made to be a partner with me, hallelujah. So when folk try to usurp her throne, hallelujah, their nose is going to hit a brick wall every time. 
You can come shaking and slithering your hips and your hips, lips and fingertips and hear all you want. But the power of God is going to stop you right there. Because you're supposed to enter the gates with what thanksgiving, not hoochieism. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to enter the court with praise, not praying upon the man of God. Hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I'm teaching, but I got to put a little preaching in here. So the one who does the decision making and preaching is more a matter of aptitude and calling than of gender. Y'all got that? Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. I got time to do the second one. So first we had what? Equality in creation. Looking at the five reasons why women should teach, preach, and minister. Now here's the second one. Equality in redemption. Then we'll call it a day. But, but there's some more deep things. But God help me to spread it out all across the maze. So I'm good. Amen. So God said, take your time, son. Hallelujah. I'm quite enjoying this. So back at creation, y'all, both Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sinned. That's right. Why are we acting like only the woman did that? And we like to use the New Testament scripture. Uh See, women are the weaker vessel. Mm-hmm. God didn't say all oh, the weaker vessel. He said, treat them as the weaker vessel. It means be a gentleman, right? Don't be elbowing on the chest. There's piping up there. Are you a foolish man? Thank God. Hallelujah. Anyhow, we got to learn how to be a gentleman. Amen? Amen. Chivalry is not dead. I know because I didn't let it die. Amen? Amen? My wife don't think she's less of a woman uh, for me opening the door for her. She rather enjoys me being a gentleman under God's auspices. So I don't mind opening the door. You know, some men were quiet, spying, looking at us. I admire how you do that. And I didn't even know people were looking. I didn't do it for that reason. I'm doing it because I feel the Holy Ghost in me. Amen. Allow me to be who he made me to be. It's the God in me. Hallelujah. Anyhow. But Amen. I thank God that we need the knowledge that both messed up. Man trying to act like they are so much better. Uh, women are weak and wayward. See, that's what happened. That's why she got to be under our feet. You know what they're doing? They're bringing sexism in. See, neither male nor female has a plausible case for innocence. They can't play the blame game. You know, end up blaming us the devil, of course, but yes. But even though we all know deep inside that we all are sinners, we often fool ourselves. We said that in church school this morning that King Zedekiah most likely seemingly he fooled himself into thinking that he ought to listen to the faulty prophecies of those wannabe prophets. Because he was drawn by his own lust and enticed. And then they could uh, have demonic poetic license and do whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. Help me, Holy Ghost. See, we often fool ourselves into feeling better than uh, better by uh, thinking someone else is more to blame. Some people like to say that Adam was created first, uh, are often quick to point out that Eve sins first. And somehow that makes women more prone to sin. It should be noted, however, that using this logic has its traps. In Genesis 2, God tells the man not to eat of the tree 
of knowledge. Guess what? This all happens before the woman was even created. If anyone should uh, have known better, guess what? It should have been who? Adam. God gave him a direct, unequivocal command. Eve only heard it secondhand. Man was supposed to give it to his household if he's going to be the, the head like that. Amen. Thank God. The real truth of sin is that both man and woman disobeyed. Genesis tells us that Adam was with Eve when she took and ate of the forbidden fruit. I always say that. He was once standing right there and did it likewise. She handed it over to her husband who was standing right there and he went on ahead and did it. In other words, he was in agreement with the whole thing because that was just the conclusion of the agreement, the, first, uh, the previous agreement. See? Sin, it comes in your mind, and then if you let it go on ahead and, and get mature, it's going to bring forth what? Death. And that's what happened. But it looked like they didn't, you know, they didn't physically die right away, but they died spiritually right away. They alienated themselves from God because of disobedience. But uh, as we see, uh, today's teacher likes to look at it differently. But look, both of them took and ate of the forbidden fruit. Uh, yeah, he was standing right there and did likewise. Imagine, if you will, that two people walk into a grocery store, right, and both steal a piece of fruit. Is the one whose hand that grabbed it first more guilty of theft than the other? You see, both men and women uh, stand guilty of sin. That is the truth, and that's the bad news. But thank God the Bible doesn't stop there. It goes on because... Why will we yet sinners what? Christ died for us. God already had in mind in Genesis that uh, the feet of man will crush the head of Satan. Uh, Satan's going to try to destroy the seed, but that seed going to crush his head. Yes, he's going to bruise the ankles and stuff. But you know what? Yeah, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God's going to deliver them out of them all because Satan must be crushed. And God will win. The end of the matter is we win. Hallelujah. God put it in my spiritual self that I love to win. Mm -hmm. I used to feel evil about that. I said, no, but I, I, I accept that Jesus, and he always wins. So, yes, I love winning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I play Monopoly. I play Uno like that. Oh, you going to reverse me? Oh, I'll reverse you back. What? Oh, 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 bring it. Oh, oh, bring it. You know. Play again. Play again. Oh, that was a faulty hand. Play again. Till I win more than you win. But God put in us that we should what? Win and not be losers. I'm getting tired of being bamboozled by that loser, Satan, that passive aggressive punk of punks. My God. That's what he is. Liar of liars. My God. The author of it. My God. Author of confusion. Father of lies. My God. Why should I place my hand in his faulty hand? He's going to lose. You know, but Satan makes it look so good, tastes so good, it will sound so good. He's the pipe piper, you know, make it feel so good, yeah. Well, I say no, and it feels so good to say yes. And a lot of times, that's how he got me, you know? And just one look, woohoo, that's all it took, my Lord. 
But you know, God had to tell me, uh, you gotta get the contents of your character transformed by the power of the word. You gotta let the word wash you clean. You gotta let your mind be transformed. Let that mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, I'm gonna give you a makeover. And now you're not Anthony 1.0. Now you're Anthony 10.0. Cause Christ transformed my mind. He took out that old faulty disc. My God, compromise disc. And they call computer files that, that are not working right. They have been compromised, my God. So we take that out and God will replace it with a good mind. Hallelujah, I'm programmed now correctly. I can behave according to the power that works in me. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world, without end. Amen. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. God wants the good news to come. See, that's all part of the good news. The equally good news is that Christ came to redeem us all and to set the world aright. He wants us to win. Christ came to restore a right relationship between God and humanity. He's the bridge or the troubled water, if you will. Christ also came to restore a right relationship between human beings, Jew and Greek. And I could say now and our nowadays, black and white and Latinos and Asians, my God, everybody, amen? Thank God, bond and free, my God. Male and female, he put that in there for a reason. One of the marks of sin is our disunity, our categorizing, our domination over one another. That's why wars and rumors of wars come. From whence cometh wars, my God. That's where it comes from. We want to dominate over somebody. My God. And, and, and we like, I know God wants us to bless Israel, but that doesn't mean Israel is doing right. And we need Jesus. Jesus called that one that he called out to uh, represent him, Jacob, renamed in Israel because he's always in contention. Isn't that something to be named by God? Come here, contention. You know, he's always going against, playing a tug of war with God. And when you sin, play hide and go seek. They change games from time to time based on what's going on. My God. And look, God knows how we are made. That's why he has to be the God of many names. You don't have to be a polytheistic person. We serve a God of many names. Jehovah blank. Put your next name there. By whatever you need. I need healing, Jehovah Rofi. Amen. I need a shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, my God. I need somebody to march to. I ain't nobody to look up to anymore. Jehovah needs to see hello. We need Jehovah, whoever he's gonna be. Thank God. I need some righteousness. I feel tore up. I feel stank. Oh, Jehovah sit canoe, pray yourself, show yourself strong, make me clean, make me righteous. Hello. Thank God. So that's what we got. We have a God who knows all of this stuff. Thank God. And he came to make things right, not wrong. You think God's going to allow men to be a tyrannical force? My God, over women? No. Some want to justify women's subordination by citing Genesis 3.16 after the fall when God said to the woman, and he shall rule over you, you. But let's remember, this is after what? The fall. After sin. 
We chose a simple way. Did God say, I'm going to put you in the simple way? No, that's us. And you know, sin's going to have some effects. Sin's, sin's going to have some after effects. There's going to be some aftertaste, isn't there? You drink up that bitter cup, and you swallow, I still taste it. Yeah. That's how sin is. It's nasty. It's a stench in God's nostrils. Amen? And thank God. God didn't want that for us. God wants the perfection to happen. And God said, I'm going to give you a perfected faith. Thank God. A new creation. Thank God. You're going to go as what God had intended to happen in the first place. That's what you're going to experience. That. Jesus came for that reason. I'm going to make things right. Thank God. So, we got to remember, God is outlining the consequences of sin, and that's not the, the divine intention. He's outlining the consequences. He didn't want us to go into sin. So we can't label women from the sinful perspective. Thank God. We're supposed to be saved, what, from sin. Unless the church is a place of sin, which seemingly some are because they have that stained glass ceiling stopping the women. Now, for centuries, groups of people have been jockeying for position at the expense of others. Some whites have subordinated people of color. Men have used physical strength to put women, quote, in their places. And, and that is and always will be sin in God's eyes. When, when Paul wrote the profound credo of freedom and equality found in Galatians 3.28, he declared that redemption in Christ made change possible for the human heart and for human society. Full redemption is both personal and social. Begins in your heart and it goes out, ripples out. Lord, send a revival and let it begin where? In me. Hallelujah. And then we will be lively soon. Sit jointly together for the purpose of heaven. Thank God. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank God. Paul, for the most part of his adult life, had been a zealous Jew. You got to know how they were brought up. Good Jewish men faithfully recited the traditional morning prayer, which gave thanks to God that, quote, uh, thou hast not made me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Well, I imagine that. Paul, the man who became the great missionary and apostle, spent most of his life as a privileged, educated, haughty, religious man who accepted as fact the social realities of his day. He assumed that Jews were superior to Greeks. Free citizens were more worthy than slaves. And men were unquestionably better than women. But Christ seared his, uh, his worldview with the truth on the road to Damascus. Jesus showed in his brilliance of glory and seared that conscience, blotted it out, and his whole worldview changed. God turned his world upside down, literally knocked him off his high horse. He then knew a deeper truth. He was no better, no less than his sisters and his brothers in faith. Has to be in faith, right? Once Paul knew the truth, guess what? He began to proclaim it. 
Redeem how I love to proclaim it. Redeem of the blood of the Lamb. He starts singing that kind of Christian song. Amen. Hallelujah. He preached Christ to be the great equalizer, which he is. Paul also tried to live it, but he, like us, found it difficult. Paul lived in a world where the kingdom of God had been revealed, but was not yet a reality, like here in America, see? We live in the same kind of world, don't we? Paul lived in the tension between what he knew to be true and what he found to be the present reality of the church. When the church at Corinth was fraught with divisions and factions, he was inspired to write exhortative teachings that advocated holy reform. In other words, he said, y'all ain't right. You need to get right before it's too late. Some pretty bizarre things happened in the church in the ancient day. Then, right? And we have our own unfortunate share of such things today. In the church at Corinth, someone was sexually immoral. And people were squabbling about what should be done. Paul was forced to make several judgment calls in 1 Corinthians 7 because of that. Women who uh, became believers had unbelieving husbands. Uh, what were their marital responsibilities now that their lives had changed? So, slaves who now knew themselves to be free in Christ sought social freedom. Women were speaking in church out loud. Outsiders considered that pretty scandalous. They shouldn't be speaking out like that. Paul was called in to restore peace. He basically told people to accept their previous stations in life so that the fabric of the church would not be ripped apart because they were about to rip it apart with their uh, idiosyncrasies, which were quite uh, childish, immature. They hadn't grown up in Christ enough. He told women to cover their heads according to custom when they prophesied. But he never told women to stop prophesying in public. He didn't say stop that. Disorder reigned in the Corinthian church and in its worship. People uh, spoke in tongues all over the place without any decency and order, you know. People with a prophecy just stood up and talked over each other, trying to win the argument, I guess, or trying to be heard over the other one. Uh, women who had questions about what was going on asked their, their husbands, who in a traditional setting would have been seated across the room because men were on one side, women on the other side. Paul told women to be silent in church in those situations and save their questions for what? At home. It seems there was no order in their worship. When Paul silenced the women in that situation, his words were meant to keep the church uh, from disorderly conduct. Paul's words were never meant to be taken out of this context and made into a universal principle to keep women out of public ministry. These words were in our pastoral wisdom given from an elder when called upon to try to settle disputes in a local church. Uh, in this chaotic situation, Paul pleaded for unity and order. He made this proclamation for the common good of a local church during a very troubled time. When reading Paul's epistles, 
it is helpful to recall his great themes and his great concerns reach well beyond what we found in the Corinthian church. Paul cared most about freedom and equality in who? Christ. Justification by what? Faith. And unity in the body of who? Believers in Christ, right? Paul proclaimed us to be joint heirs together with Jesus, who ties everything together, everyone together. And joint heirs bear the equally heavy burden of sin and can equally claim full redemption and freedom in Christ. Thank God. We're going to end right there. There's more. So far, so good. A lot of truth. Amen. So the house of God, amen, should be about God's truth. And his truth about women in ministry stands on a total of five, at least five bedrock truths, which we will share in these proceedings. Uh, equality in creation, we covered that. Equality in redemption, thank God. We're going to do equality in calling in the call, right? He doesn't call one different from the other. He just, when he calls, sometimes men need to hear more than the women. That's another message. Equality in call. Equality in example. And equality in empowerment by the Holy Ghost. Amen? We're going to look at all of those. But a theology of women in ministry must be built on this foundation, which is fivefold. Women are free and qualified to preach, teach, and minister because God has created women in the divine image and declared that she is good. Amen. God has provided a way to fully redeem women and all of fallen humanity. Jesus has called all who witness to the resurrection in their lives to proclaim the amazing news of new life to others. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out to empower all flesh, amen, including women's flesh. The house that God has built has its doors thrown wide open to all who would enter in. Women have always come to the house of God willingly to serve, but women are also free to preach and teach when they come, amen, if God calls them that way. Women can also minister and lead if they have those callings, those giftings from God. Amen. God's house is a house where women and men are called to work together and learn to honor each other as God's good creation. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, Use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.